0: Hello everybody welcome back to firewalls don't stop dragons i am your host as always carrie parker and um hope you all had a wonderful thanksgiving i know i did uh hopefully it was a good time to sync up with the family and just have some nice quiet time uh, i got a chance to go back and see some of my family which is always good don't get to see them often enough so it was good to be able to get up there with my, my daughters and i i uh, hope you had a great thanksgiving too and so we're going to talk a little bit about how you can give thanks after we play the interview this week. And because I was busy this week, I haven't had a chance to do a full podcast, but what I wanted to do was go back and replay an interview I did with Daniel Davis at DuckDuckGo. And it's about mobile security, mobile privacy, something that is so, so important today. Uh, we're all carrying smartphones and smart devices and with the holidays coming up, maybe you're thinking about getting yourself a new iPhone or a new tablet of some sort, uh, or maybe for somebody else. And so these are really timely, uh, bits pits of advice for that as well. So I wanted to kind of go back and redo that. And it was a great interview. Love to have Dana Davis on the show. Definitely a friend of the show. We'll have to get him back sometime soon. Uh, in the meantime, though, let's go back, wind back the clock a little bit and talk about mobile security and mobile privacy. It was a great interview and uh, it's really time to bring it back now. Hey, and today we're welcoming back Daniel Davis, who is a community manager at DuckDuckGo, a company that is helping users take back their privacy, not just when searching, but on the wider internet as well. Welcome back, Daniel.
1: Hello there. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me back. It's great to be here again.
0: Now, before we start, if you would, just uh, remind our audience who DuckDuckGo is and what they're about. Uh,
1: DuckDuckGo is originally a, a private search engine, so you can search on the web anonymously, you know, without people tracking you, without your um, searches sort of being tied to personal profile or, or your history being stored or something like that. But very recently, in fact, this week, we've just branched out beyond search to provide an app and an extension for people to protect themselves when they're going away browsing
0: any website. So we're becoming the privacy company. Fantastic, and we'll definitely get into that a little bit later when we're talking about our tips and recommendations and stuff. We definitely want to talk about that one. Um, all right, so I brought you on today because I want to talk about mobile privacy and security. Um, you know, we talk a lot about c- computer security on the show and in, in general, but uh, you know, I'll bet I don't have any hard stats on this, but I'll bet that most people spend more time on their smartphones than they do on their computers these days. Um, oh, do you have any? I don't know if you don't have any stats on that, but
1: I don't have stats, but I totally agree. But not only that, but the uh, the phone collects much more personal data about Um, you than your
0: pc does yeah yeah, for sure and i you know and i don't think a lot of people have that you know they have understand that instinctually. I think that's part of the problem with a lot of what we're dealing with when we're trying to talk cybersecurity and privacy is, you know, in the physical world we we kinda have a notion that someone's watching you or or, or that we need to protect something. You know, I talk about, you know, how we're kind of used to the inconveniences of physical physical security. When you leave your house, you lock it. When you leave your car, you lock it. And you know, if you have a purse, maybe you hide that in the trunk or you know, a laptop or something like that. So we're kinda used to that, but because it's all virtual and because it's all cyber, there's just not the same instinctual feel that people have when it comes to, uh, you know, in the cyber world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, totally agree. And and people have this thing about, you know, well, but I've got nothing to hide, so I've got <laughs> nothing to worry about. But uh, whether you have something to hide or not, for example, some people may be fine with ha- going to the bathroom with the door open or <laughs> letting other people watch, you know, their bank account details. That's fine, you know. But we have the right to keep it private if we want to. Uh, and in the same way, you know, I close my blinds at night because I don't want people peering in. Doesn't mean I've got something to hide. It's just I have that right. And uh,
0: privacy online should be just as simple. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I've brought this up before, but I haven't mentioned it for a while. But if you haven't seen the the Glenn Greenwald talk on the TED talk on privacy, it's a great one to watch. And he talks about some of those things. And one of the things he always ends up with is, you know, people say, well, I got nothing to hide. You can, you know, I don't care who reads my, my email. And he's like, okay, well, will tell you what, why don't you give me your email password? And he said, no one's yeah. ever taken him up on that. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh, there's a lot of aspects to this, and uh, you you've already touched on a couple that I that I think the people don't really have the grok when they're thinking about smartphones. There are so many personal details that we have, and if it's not stored on your phone, it's accessible through your phone. Um, it's just amazing how much how much information is there, and of course today you know information is the new oil, as, as they like to say, right? It's it's a new commodity that we're all trading in. Uh, and so all these marketers, and of course governments, and other people too, want to get a hold of that info as much as possible. And those are just ripe targets. So we're going to be talking about that a lot today. And uh, I think we're going to blow people's minds a little bit because there's so many different ways that that information is vulnerable. Uh, so let's get into that a little bit. Um, let's let's talk about tracking. There's so many so many ways that you can be tracked with your smartphone. Let's let's start ticking all off. Wow.
1: Okay. Where do yeah. we start? Um- well, first of all, when we're browsing the web, I mean, I think more and more people are getting familiar with tracker blockers. Um, we did a survey uh, not too long ago, and we found that there's a, a noticeable increase in people who are both aware of and doing something about the sort of pervasive tracking online. This is mobile and desktop, but, but I think, you know, the, the concept is the same. Um, we found that uh, 24% of the American adults that we surveyed are doing something to stop tracking uh, for example, installing a, a tracker blocker. Uh, for example, um, there's a, a settings in the browser as well that you can change the privacy protection settings and things like that, or you know deliberately using private search or private mode. So more people are aware of it and taking notice. And the most obvious one is through visiting different websites. Yeah. And it's obvious because we see something we we looked at I mean, a few minutes ago coming up on a different website in an advert. So, oh, hey, you know, how how do you know that? That's that's a bit creepy. Um, We know, well, actually, maybe people don't know, but the majority of this is coming from Google-related trackers and and ad networks. So a study by Princeton University, uh, which I may have mentioned last time, showed that uh, 76% of um, top websites, the top million websites they went through, have some Google code on them, which can be used to, to track you around. Uh, and that could be through AdSense or, you know, or whatever, uh, or Google Analytics. Um, the next uh, largest proportion was from Facebook. And this mm-hmm. could be from just something simple looking like a, a like button. But still, that's Facebook code, which they can use to, to get data about what website you're viewing. You're viewing this product and then you go to another page and, okay, if we remind that person about the product, they might be more likely to buy. And, you know, it would come up in your Facebook feed. So those are the most obvious ones that we see, and therefore people who do some, do something about tracking tend, to, I think, initially to focus on that, installing a tracker blocker, um, which is what we just released, or using a, a browser which has some inbuilt uh, blocking uh, features in it.
0: What I, don't, what I don't think a lot of people realize is that Google, you know, people think of Google as a search company. And initially, it was, but 90% of their revenue, I think I read, it comes from advertising. They are an advertising company. That's So their their thing is they need to know as much about you as possible because the more they can target those ads to you, the more they can charge for their ads. Right, yeah. And, and they are now, I think, the biggest digital advertiser they make up.
1: Uh, I'm going to have to uh, double check this, but… Um... There are stats out recently showing that the, the vast majority of online digital advertising is now coming from either, either Google or Google and Facebook combined. And yeah, yes. It's amazing. It's a duopoly, I uh, think, basically. And, and change, no matter what what they say, change from within, I think, is going to be very hard. So we have to vote with our feet. We have to do something about it ourselves.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and, and ad advertising, uh, ad blockers, and, and there's obviously this kind of this cat and mouse game going on with ad blockers because first there were the ads, and then there were ad blockers, and now they're ad blocker blockers, and there are these sites that are, you know they're detecting that when you're blocking their ads, and there some of them are refusing to show you content, some of them are asking you to whitelist their sites and let the ads through. It you know it it reminds me of pop-up blocking back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's 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 just it just gotten out of hand, but you know it's just like the next round of the evolution of you know this ad-based web model that we have
1: yes um this is probably a, a, i want to raise a point actually so um there's also a lot of confusion i think between ad blocking and, and tracker blocking mm, and, yes and we like to make the distinction because ads in themselves i don't think are a bad thing we do go we get our revenue on the search engine mostly through ads they're non-tracking ads um they're not based on a profile or history they're based on what you've just searched for that word you search for a car we'll show you an advert related to a car um and it's working we've been profitable for, for uh, several years we would like to see more companies use the same model uh and so yeah blocking ads completely i think is kind of going to hurt the web that we rely on and we get some uh, enjoyment and information from for free it's the ads that track us and follow us around and that are, are very invasive i think that are the big problem um So, yeah, we we, in our our company and our our software, we try to target tracker blocking rather than just blanket ad blocking.
0: I like to uh, the the analogy I like to make is it's active versus passive. In the old days, when you saw a billboard, the billboard didn't see you. (laughs) <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, so they, they would put the billboards along the side, you know, along the side of the road where they thought they would attract a certain type of customer or where you're, you know, if you were going to a modern day, if you're going to a website, that's kind of a manly site or whatever, maybe they're advertising beer and muscle cars, or whatever, you know, so, but yeah. it's based on the site you're going to. And, and they could, in that sense, be first party ads. They're, they're just simple. They're, they're not tracking ads. And that makes total sense to me. I, I get that if we went free content, they got to make money somehow, but it's the, it's the ads that watch you back, you know, that, that gets really creepy. And that, and that to me is where they cross the line. Yeah. Now I've got an image of driving past billboards with little (laughs) eye holes cut out and somebody (laughs) peering
1: at me like in a cartoon or something. (laughs) But that's, yeah, that's kind of like what, um, what web advertising is
0: becoming and
1: yeah, we need to do something about it.
0: So the other, there's so many different ways to track. So that's just one. And that's, you're right. That's common to both smartphones and, uh, and the other one that we have to acknowledge, and a lot of people may not think about it, is your cell phone provider has to know where you are because that's how they get phone calls to you. That's how they get messages to you, right? They have to know, you know, geographically roughly where you are, at least what cell site you're on, because that's how they get things to you, right? But by the same token, that also means that your cell provider always knows where you are.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, it's a good pointing out. It's not necessarily a bad thing. There have been cases where people in emergencies have been found because yes. of the pings from their, their cell phone. Um yeah, w- 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 knowing what people do with that data, what the, the ISPs yes. uh, do with that data is important. And it's very disappointing that they were given, in, in the US at least, mm-hmm. um, sort of free reign to collect that data and then use it for, for other purposes um, last year. Um, yeah, we, we can do we, – We obviously, we can try uh, support organizations that um, try to improve uh, regulations And, you know, we can also ourselves write to our our congressman or woman or, or, you know, whoever political, uh, whichever political party is is active in our our country where we live. Obviously, I'm not in America. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the main thing we can do is to try and make sure there's regulation that protects us. That's going to have a huge effect, but it's very difficult and sometimes slow. Um, The alternative then is we find technology that can do it for us on an individual level. Um, In the the case of ISP tracking, if you visit a website that is encrypted, which means the start of the address begins with HTTPS, that S is very important, then everything that you send to and from the website is encrypted. From the outside observer's point of view, it's just a random jumble of of, uh, letters and and numbers. Uh, That is very strong, and even ISPs can't then see what you're looking at or what, what you're searching for. They can see which website you're going to. So, for example, they can see you're going to .go, but they can't see the search terms and the pages that are, that you're viewing. An alternative to that is a thing called a VPN, which different to a website being encrypted. A VPN will encrypt all your traffic, whether you visit an unencrypted website or not. Um, so unfortunately the website being encrypted is not something you can easily control apart from writing to them saying please upgrade right. yourself <laughs> but a VPN is something you can control it's usually a paid service and um, you have to trust the VPN provider because if they wanted to they could technically see all your traffic some of them say they don't and uh, yeah you have to completely trust them but the, the benefit is all of your traffic is encrypted. Your emails, a lot of people don't realize this, but the emails, whether on your phone or your um, uh, or your laptop, emails are not encrypted by default. And most people have not set it up because, unfortunately, it's not uh, super easy. Um, so emails and web surfing will be
0: encrypted if you use a VPN, but you have to trust the provider. Exactly. And, of course, VPN is a virtual private network. And we've talked about that many times on the show because it's one of the key tools in our toolbox Uh, But yes, you're absolutely right. It's at some at some point you have to trust somebody, unfortunately. And so what you're in the case of a VPN, what you're often doing is you're trading your trust for your ISP for the VPN. Now, at least the VPN provider, usually one of the reasons they, they exist is for privacy. So at least they're you know part of the reputation is is built around you know that trust and if they ever violate that i would think they'd be out of business in a hurry whereas ISPs make no bones about the fact that they want to know everything you're doing and and that's why we had the law switch they lobbied our congress and they got a switch because they want they want that information on you because they want to sell it like all these other guys want to get your information and sell it so they're very obviously the the interests for these two parties are very different so you can at least hope with a VPN that 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 their primary thing would be is protecting your privacy Yes. Um, there is an alternative uh, called
1: TOR, actually, which um, uh, is sta- originally stands for the Onion Router. And this kind of has a similar uh, effect uh, in that it protects you by sending your traffic through various different, they're called nodes. Um, and so it makes it very difficult to track you effectively as close as you can be to being anonymous on, on the web as, as possible. Um, but yeah, both VPN and TORs... Um, very helpful for this. Tor is free. It's a, a non-profit organization that runs it. VPNs are paid for, but I think it's important to understand that with any service, especially uh, privacy-related service, you have to know where their revenue is coming from. It could be from some uh, yeah, advertising that is not using your personal data. It could be through paid subscription. If it's neither of those, then it could be they're just taking your data and selling it um, right. without you knowing. So be very wary, of, especially VPNs that are free. It might not be maybe
0: $3, but it might not be free in other means. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So, so there's a couple of ways we've been tracked. Now, there are some other wireless mechanisms, some local wireless mechanisms by which we can be tracked with the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how that works. Um, in the case of Wi-Fi, um,
1: it, it, it's called triangulation, and any website can work out where you are. Uh, there's a thing called a geolocation uh, API. And the website doesn't have to sort of do anything with the Wi-Fi technology. It's all done in the background by the browser. But the browser can um, use your Wi-Fi to work out where you are. Uh, And it might combine that with, for example, the 3G uh, data as well, and now possibly Bluetooth as well. So if it knows the location of a particular Wi-Fi hotspot, and you're connected to that hotspot, then it can assume that you're very, very close to it, within a a few meters to it. And so that's how you can get uh, very good um, location data, even when people are inside a building. Uh, If you combine that with 3G, then when you leave that that Wi-Fi hotspot area, they can still work out where you are because you sort of transition to a 3G network. The 3G towers, obviously, we know the locations of those. So, yeah, it's very easy to pick up your location um, through various means. Just switching
0: one of these connection methods off won't necessarily stop services from knowing where you are and if you uh, you know part of the, how google maps was done and this was like actually a controversy back when they did it is they had google had these cars and they still do driving around with these little funky rigs on top you know taking all these 360 pictures you know so they could have those great you know put yourself in the map kind of things and look around uh one of the things they were doing they were scanning for wi-fi signals and recording you know all that you know think, think about it right now if you go to your, your your neighborhood or whatever and you flip open your phone and you look at all the available wi-fi networks that list is fairly unique to where you're at, right? Your your home probably almost shows up because you're close to that, but your neighbors are nearby, and if you and if there's fifty, you know, fifteen things on that list, you know, that's probably pretty unique to where you're standing. So, I, that's that's one way that's one way they could do it. They're actually keeping track of, you know, if you see this list of fifteen you know websites with these names like Go Boilers and and mm-hmm. Parkernet and whatever, then you're probably standing at, you know at, outside my house. Um. <laughs> It's creepy, but it's just amazing how much you know how easy it is just to snurf up all this data and then use that data for, for these kind of purposes. Yes, and we enjoy
1: like free data storage, and we sign up for a service, and they give us five gigabytes of storage free or something, which is wonderful um, because data storage is now so cheap. But the flip side is that, yeah, any company now can store huge amounts of data that we just can't imagine um, very, very cheaply, very, very easily. And obviously, connection speeds as well. It can be sent. It can be scattered around the world. So that data might not necessarily be stored in one particular country. So it's
0: not subject to one country's uh, privacy regulations. So there's uh, there's a one more thing about the Wi-Fi tracking I wanted to mention, and that is, uh, and you brought this up to me the, the MAC address, um, MAC address broadcast and randomization. Tell us what mm-hmm. you know, what what the problem is there, and how they tried to solve that. Um, every device has a thing called a MAC
1: address, M A C address and it's effectively it's kind of like a serial number for the device that you're using Um, and that is exposed so it's possible um at at a sort of low level for the isps for example to see what or or a a wi-fi hotspot to see what the mac address of your device is when you connect if you then track um, devices in a different area, and you find something with the same MAC address, then you know that it's the same device and very likely the same person. So again, it's another way of seeing uh, somebody moving around, connecting to different services. Obviously, over time, that builds up a very detailed pattern of, a, of one particular individual's uh, activity. The way to prevent that is to randomise the MAC address, so the, the the operating system of the device can send out a Different random MAC address each time it connects to a service or each time it's it switched on. That's called MAC address randomization. Uh, and it's effectively the same as if you went out uh, to the street and you met different people. And each time you met a person, uh, you told them a completely different address of where you live. <laughs> so when yeah. they met you in the future, hey, I've met you before. I, it can't be me because my name's this and I live here. Um, so it would be pretty confusing. It's great for you know stopping people tracking you and trying to remain uh, a, a, a sense of anonymity. There is a problem, however. Our phones are built up of different layers. So you have the the, the the firmware, the sort of the core software in the phone. Then you have an operating system on top of that. And then you have apps and things on top of that. And then you might even have little you know, widgets and things on top of that as well. Each of those layers has access to the sort of layer below it. Mac address randomization um, is actually available in Android phones at a very, very low level. Le- um, level in the, the firmware, but the operating system then has to enable that to make it available to apps and things. And a study uh, researchers was shown that a very small percentage. I think at the time it was about six percent or so of Android phones that they looked at had MAC address randomization enabled. For some reason, the makers shipping the phones decided not to enable it in, huh. when they put the software on and they and they sort of sell it in the shops. I don't know what the reasons are. Maybe it's because they have their own software that they want to use Mac addresses to, to track mm. people, to get data, so to build up profiles. Maybe it's just they forgot. Maybe it's because o- often what happens with, with software bugs is we think, ah, they're doing it for malicious reasons. Sometimes it's, you know, <laughs> we're humans. We we make mistakes. Sometimes uh, what happens with software companies especially we think something is really easy to do and it may be but then it has to be tested to make sure it has no bad side effects right. and that can take a long time so maybe they you know they don't do this because then they'd have to test it and it's a lot of a lot of work anyway for that reason the technology exists unfortunately it's not being used in many android phones uh, apple uh, iPhones do have mac uh, randomization mac randomization however there are other sort of identifiers that the phone emits that can be used for the same purpose. So the MAC address might be different, but there might be another identifier that is the same. A a quick tip for people actually, one um, identifier is called the uh, ad ID. I'm just gonna double check on my phone here. It's possible for people with uh, iPhones and iPads to reset that. So Hmm. within the settings on an iPhone, there is one uh, called privacy, an option called privacy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, Within there, you've got um, a section called advertising, and you can reset the advertising identifier. Can you turn it off completely? Uh, You can't turn it off completely, no. Uh, You can only reset it. So it exists, it's there all the time. You can limit ad, ad tracking. There is an option to limit ad tracking, and it's in the same uh, section of the settings. Uh, you cannot turn it off completely. And this advertising identifier, I think it's shared with app developers, 3rd party app developers. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, it's there, but at least you do have a little bit of control in resetting it, and then effectively you, you become a different person from the eyes of the app developer that is going to use that ID.
0: Now, that's not available wirelessly, is it? That's not, along with the MAC address, that is not something that's broadcast, is it? That's just within the <laughs> realm of the applications on the phone?
1: That's true, yes, it is. Um, okay. Yeah, it's just an example of a, uh, yeah, so although there are MAC addresses, there are other identifiers that are, that are potentially emitted wirelessly and potentially
0: available you know, directly from by software on the phone. And so let's talk about applications because that that's like the next realm, the next layer of, of potential tracking. We, you know, people are happy with apps, especially those free apps. You know, there's, hey, why not? It's free. Let me download that and try that out. Uh, there are a lot of apps, especially free apps uh, that have been caught. Uploading all sorts of personal information about people. I'm sure, that, which is why they're free. They're not really free. they <laughs> you know, you gave up your privacy without, unfortunately, probably without knowing it, or maybe it was buried in the terms of service. I don't know. But whenever it's you install these apps, they ask for certain permissions, for example. Uh, and I think a lot of people are just too liberal about that. It's like, yeah, sure, whatever, do what you want. Talk to us a little bit about uh, about uh, apps and app permissions. You know, where do we, where should we be getting our apps? What should we be avoiding? Uh, how do we how do we know how to set the proper permissions on these applications? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um,
1: so let's, from the point of view of the developer, I'm a developer. I make an app. I put it in the app store. So why have I done that? It might be a hobby, and I just want people to use it. Uh, it might be because I want you know, to, to, uh, a career in this. Uh, and it might be because I want it as a source of revenue. And if it's a source of revenue, you can either try and sell it, but people are used to free apps now, so it might be difficult. You can put it out there for free and offer in-app purchases or subscriptions. You can have advertising on it, um, which is very visible. So we know that you know we can see the revenue is coming from these ads that appear. Um, You could also sell that data to third parties. So the users aren't affected. They get a free app with no ads, but in the background, you're selling the data and getting revenue that way. And that happens a lot. We saw a case of this actually um, just a a month or two ago um, where actually Thanksgiving, so there was research done uh, showing that families that voted for opposite parties spent less time together on Thanksgiving. Okay, mm. and that in itself, yeah, is it quite interesting. That's that's a good story. Um, <laughs> but what sort of came out because of that story was, hang on, how do they know this? And they looked into it, and it turns out these researchers had managed to get hold of this and uh, data which is you know, legally available, um, which provided them with 17 trillion location markers. So seventeen trillion location data points which was collected from ten million phones. Oh my now, god. These these researchers, they didn't obviously, you know, go to, to ten million people and say, can I have some of that data? Um but they, they I don't think they did anything more themselves. They went to a company called Safegraph, which has got this data. And Safegraph themselves aren't making the apps. They're buying the data potentially directly from app developers or potentially from it's from another third-party company who is you know, getting it themselves from um, the data from a- app developers so when we install an app first of all I doubt very many of us read the terms and sure. conditions and I'm, I'm guilty of that as well but even if we do they're very often filled with very very vague yes. wording you know we may use your your data um, and they Would- may say they try and anonymize it Oh, sure. Uh, which you know, in, in anonymous fashion, or you know, we may share it with third party. We may try to improve the service by you know, blah blah blah. It's very vague, and so if anything does you know come down to close scrutiny, uh, it, they 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 can say you yeah, know, well, we we phrase it like this, so you know, le- technically it, it's okay, it's legal. Uh, in the case of this um, data, I want to go back to this data because it was fascinating. Uh, so a further research was done about how. This 17 trillion location markers from 10 million phones was uh, was accessed. It came from this uh, Safegraph uh, company, and then what the researchers were able to do with that um, is work out that people who were located at a particular place between the hours of one and four a.m. Well, that's most likely to be their home, and so if you have two uh, phones and they're both together between 1 and 4 a.m. not moving in the same place, then you can kind of figure out they're uh, a couple or you know close family, especially if they're, you know, they're in that same location or in a house sharing. But anyway, you can work out that they, they live together. And then on Thanksgiving in particular, they looked at between 1 and 5 p.m. And again, they're looking at these location markers. And then when they see these uh, these, these phones together between 1 and 5 p.m. on Thanksgiving, they can work out, okay, it's family or, or close friends very oh, likely. Wow. And if it's the same places where they were at one or four
0: a.m., they know that they had Thanksgiving at home. Wow, and that—that and that is precisely that is a perfect example of the the kind of dot connecting that goes on by these companies that people don't think about. You know, I, you know, they may think, "Oh yeah, Facebook knows this about me. Oh yeah, Google knows that about me. Yeah, Pinterest knows this about me." You know, but. What you, if you put all that together, along with to, all this other metadata, you know where you are, what time of day it is, who's near you, who's in your contact list, you know when you when you combine all these things together, the 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 amount of infer uh, that you can infer from that is just unbelievable. It is. It is. Um, there's another example, actually. Um,
1: there was recently it came to light that there's an Android per, uh, permission which uh, at the time you couldn't like, not. <laughs> uh, allow it. Um, uh, you can turn it off in the permission settings, and it was your activity, your current activity. So it could work out if you're at rest, if you're lying down, if you're walking. And again, this is something that is available to app developers, so so apps could work out. And a very good point was made on its own. So I don't really care if I'm. You know, people know that I'm lying down or I'm standing up or I'm walking. You know, it's, it's not. There's no sort of privacy risk there. And fair enough, that's a good point. It's when you tie it together with lots of other data points that's when the privacy risk is exposed. Uh, For example, location is very easily available to app developers from your smartphone. So let's say uh, the activity uh, data says that you're walking. The location data says that you're not actually going anywhere. So they could infer that maybe you're on, um, what do you call it, the walking? Treadmill? (laughs) Treadmill, thank you. You can tell I don't go to the gym often. (laughs) So they could tell maybe you're on a treadmill and you're possibly at home, possibly at a gym. Uh, but either way, you know, it looks like you're interested in fitness, and therefore they can use that to then, you know, sell you fitness ads or, or whatever. I mean, that's a very sort of, <laughs> of innocuous example, but you know, they, they can tie various other data points together and work out other hobbies. And some people might have hobbies that they, you know, don't you know, necessarily want to share with with other people.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, my brain went somewhere totally different with that. And I'm not going to bring it. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to tell you where it went, but I think you can figure it out. So yeah, I, I exactly. can see how you that have the be... right to
1: keep that private. <laughs>
0: Wow. Yeah. So, this has been a big difference between iOS and Android for a long time. they you know, uh, Android has been kind of closing the gap in terms of these permission things. Um, and I, one thing I used to love about iOS that used to be different is that at any point for any app you installed, you can go into the privacy settings. And you can change your mind about what you allow these apps to access or not. Like, you know, maybe when you first install it, you say, oh, yeah, I don't care if you have my location. Then you got to think about it. You know, why does this game need to know where I'm physically at? You know, so you go back in your privacy settings and you turn off location. Uh, Android for a long time was, you know, set it and forget it. It was, you know, you installed it, you asked it once, and as soon as you gave it, you couldn't revoke it. Uh, I believe that's changed now with the, with modern Android. You can go back after the fact and modify these things. Um, but few people do. And I, I wonder how many people actually question, you know, when, when that list pops up, you're installing this app, and it, it, this app would like to do these 20 things, you know, would you are you going to allow that? How many people actually go through and think about each one of those?
1: Yeah, uh, not many, I think. And and even the people that do, it is possible that apps have been, you know, updated, and some settings might have been reset. Um, just the other day, my wife uh, was looking at a I, I don't know why, but, but she was looking through her permissions for some reason, and she noticed that uh, Instagram mic was on, and we definitely Ooh. turn it off. Um, so maybe it's because she, you know, uninstalled it, reinstalled it, or updated it, or something. or um, or, or just, you know, somebody had touched the phone without knowing what they were doing. That's also possible. But th- these things can change. Uh, it's definitely worth, you know, having this like in the back of your mind. Every now and then, go back and look through both Android and iPhone. That you know, they both have the ability to set their permissions much much better than it was a few years ago and it's definitely worth going through. When you um, install in sort a of new version of an app it's also possible that they could have asked for increased permissions and you know totally legitimately um, but it's very easy just to click yes 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 it's worth going back and just double checking. And equally getting rid of apps that you don't use anymore because even if it's, uh, you don't use it if it's still there then it could potentially still be collecting data.
0: So one of the creepiest creepiest tracking things I've, I've heard of with any mobile app has been ultrasonic tracking. Are you familiar with that?
1: Uh, yes. I um, used to work uh, w- in the TV space a little bit, you know, the uh, web on TV. And this is one area that is, is potentially exciting because um, you can link mobile um, websites or apps with TV content and, you know, really get an immersive experience. So you're watching game of thrones or something and then on your phone you can have in-depth character analysis of the people that are actually appearing on the screen but similarly it obviously can then be used to work out okay you're doing this on the tv you know and you're doing this on the phone we can target you on the phone or we can target you on the tv and it, it's it's from a technical point of view it's really interesting how it works there are actually two uh, methods of sort of working out what you're watching on tv using using audio the sort of Older way, I suppose, was putting in a very high frequency tone in the, the soundtrack or or the, the you know the TV or, or the the movie um, the, the audio part, and so it's not uh, audible to us. So normal humans couldn't hear it. It's very very high, but it could be detected by software, and so if it's at a certain pitch or a certain frequency then the software could pick it up and – or if it changes frequency, for example, it could be three notes that are played that you know, we can't hear. The software can, and then so it knows, okay, these three notes mean that it's this movie or something. What happens a lot now is that because data storage space is so freely available that, uh, that we can actually create kind of fingerprints, it's called audio fingerprinting, where you, the microphone can listen to what is um, sort of going on in the background, what's on TV in the background, and then check it with a massive database and say, okay, this bit is from this particular content, this documentary or, or movie or something, and, and link it like that. So, yeah, with a particular software app on your phone, uh, with the right technology, it's very easy to work out what you're watching.
0: And that uh, – so probably the example that most people might actually be aware of is the Shazam app that was originally, I think, bought by Apple. Um, but the Shazam app is that way. It listens to a snippet of whatever song you're listening to, and it tells you, oh, that's that's – You know, uh, uh, Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven, you know, (laughs) because it's taking just a short sample of that song, fingerprinting it, coming up with some sort of a distilling it down to a fingerprint and checking some massive database in the sky and saying that's part of Stairway to Heaven. It's the same kind of technology, right? I mean, they're, they're, they they know someone pre-recorded this program, or they and they have the audio for the program, so they can sample it, and then they can figure out what you're watching. So the thing tying it back to the apps thing. So this is you've installed some app, probably something for free, and it, one of the permissions <laughs> it asked for that it didn't really need was microphone access. And if it's so, if it's listening in the background to everything you're watching on television, then it could be reporting what you're watching. Yep uh it's a,
1: the technology itself is you know potentially really useful like you know services like sam it's great you know it's in a, a nightclub or something but um yeah like so many things this technology can be used for ways that they weren't really intended or ways that we we never realize it's only when you get security researchers sort of exposing it that we we discover the extent of it and more and more we're very happy happy to have devices in our homes with a microphone that is always switched on
0: yeah yeah, I've got i I've got a bunch of them myself. It's one of the weird. I'm a privacy kind of guy, but I just cannot ignore the allure of these uh, echo products. They're so cool. I've got them all over my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is difficult. I, I'm, yeah, like
1: you. I'm, I'm, I like the the latest gadgets and stuff, but uh, I also you know, like protecting my privacy. And 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 sometimes it is difficult. So you know, we want more awareness of this, which is what we're trying to promote. We want more products that we can choose to you know, protect ourselves. And we want you know, better uh, regulation on the part of the company so they have to be more transparent about what they're
0: collecting. And you know, that some things are, are off limits. What, what I tell myself, what, what lets me sleep at night, is that, is that I know that at least with the Amazon products, all the guys out there are watching. If these guys ever start slipping up, I'm sure it will be caught immediately. And I, whereas, you know, some of these really cheaper knockoffs that, I, you know, who knows if anybody's keeping an eye on those guys or not. But if my if my Echo devices all of a sudden start tailing on me, I'm sure that the security researchers out there are going to let me know. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I
1: suppose <laughs> with Amazon as well, for, from a, for a long time, they've been saying, hey, based on stuff you've been looking at, you might be interested in this. So we kind of have this feeling that, yeah, we know that they're using our data to try and sell us other stuff. Uh, it's when stuff happens in the background, like a weather app is then being used to sell us something completely unrelated through a couple of third-party data agencies. That's when um, it's a bit more worrying. And people, yeah, if they're not aware of it, then they're not able to do anything about
0: it. So let's talk about a couple so we talked a lot about privacy. Um, let's talk a little bit more about hardcore security. Um, what, what kind of tips do you have for people like – for instance, I often tell people – uh, to make sure that you encrypt your device drives and uh, things like that. Are there any other security-related kind of uh, advice you might give for, for locking down your phone? Um, yes, encryption is, is a, a big one, and it's very easy
1: um, on, on phones now. On iOS, the fact that you put in a PIN, a password, I recommend password, in fact, everybody should do this anyway, especially if you have things like your email on your phone. All you need to do is switch on your phone to access your email, and then you've got access to medical accounts and financial accounts and all sorts so yeah, the very first thing you should be doing is setting a, a passcode or a, in particular a password on your phone if you do that on iPhone immediately that encrypts the device encryption sounds kind of scary um, but with mobile devices it you don't need to do anything and there's no extra steps involved apart from using a password so the encryption happens in the background and these days it doesn't really slow things down noticeably for, for users so encryption means that you put in a password, if somebody else has access to your, your device, you know, they steal it or you lose it or something, all they can see on your phone is random numbers and letters. They can't see the individual files. If it's not encrypted, somebody could get hold of your, your computer, for example, and even if it's switched off, the hard drive has all the files on it and it's pretty straightforward to go and read all those files.
0: So you talked about PIN codes and, and uh, bumping that up and going with the password. What how do you feel about fingerprint access? Personally, I don't use fingerprint access on my
1: phone. Um, The reason is that a fingerprint is something that we can't change. If it ever gets out, and unfortunately, you know, there are some services that require, like, um, you know, immigration or something, that require fingerprints. It's not what we can do. But I like to limit the amount of um, services that have access to my fingerprints. Now, um, I should point out that when... Uh, your, your fingerprint is scanned and put into a database it 's not a picture of your fingerprint it 's converted into a a, a, got a hash you know a series of, of numbers and characters that, that is supposedly unique and represents your fingerprint. so there are not pictures of your fingerprint being saved, but even so, the data about my fingerprints is somewhere, and you can 't change your fingerprint. You could by putting a fake plastic one, but then you 're probably breaking some law so it 's much much easier to have a password that you have control of and will always have control of. Um, so yeah uh, the, the, the convenience is there. I can see that. I think the technology is probably very, very strong. Um, but there are you know, negatives to it. So I would want people just at least to be aware of that and, and make their own their own choice. Going back to encryption, actually sorry, um, I've just talked about um, iPhone, but on Android as well, I should point out it's also possible to um, encrypt the device again in the in the settings, the security settings within Android. Uh, I think you have to have it plugged in when you do it, and it might take a little while, but it's pretty straightforward. And again, to actually use it once it's done, um, you just need a password. It's just a do it once and forget it kind of thing.
0: Fantastic. All right, uh, so let's wrap up a little bit. I know we talked about some other great uh, tips and tricks. Uh, we, uh, there were some apps I wanted to bring up and absolutely bring up yours. So talk to us a little bit about, let's start there. Talk to us about uh, the, the new app that you guys have been roll- uh, rolled out last week or this week actually, uh, and Preparation for Data Privacy Day, which is Sunday. Tell us about all of that. Yeah, thank you very much. It's uh, something that we've made available
1: uh, at the moment on Android and on iPhone. We had an app previously, which was focused on search. Now we have an app, which is a mobile browser. So we have the same technology in a desktop extension as well. So if you prefer to use a desktop browser, then you can just install the extension. Uh, within the, As we're talking about mobile today, within the mobile app, you can just browse the web as you normally do. Um, But in the background we're blocking these invasive trackers that we talked about earlier that follow you around Uh, so we try to do that seamlessly so you don't notice it and if you want to you can, there's a little uh, icon which will show a privacy grade so ABCD for example Uh, if you click on that little icon it will show you the trackers that we have blocked for that site and if you want, you can switch it off for a particular site. So, you know, you can disable it. You've got control there. It also shows you all the things we've blocked over time. And it's quite surprising to see <laughs> how many blockers have been have been blocked. Oh, sorry, how many trackers have been blocked. Right. The, the privacy grade also gives you an indication of, you know, obviously how much of the particular website you're looking at is respecting your privacy, not just through the trackers that they have, but we also work with a website called TOSDR, dot org, so terms of service didn't read its short for, and what they do is a, a very good service. They try to distill complicated terms of services for particular companies and websites into something that's humanly readable and give that a kind of grade. And unfortunately, this service it, it takes a long time to do that. You know, you need somebody to go and read through all the legalese. Yeah. So it's not something that can be done automatically. A lot of work is done, uh, but we use that the gradings together with our own analysis to work out. Uh, how much a particular website is respecting your privacy, and then you can see it, as I say, as a letter grade, so it's nice and easy. Um, A couple of other things we do. I mentioned earlier about encrypted connections, and so what we'll do, we'll try to enforce encrypted connection if it's available. So you go to a website that's not encrypted. We'll check to see if there's an encrypted version and switch you to that sort of automatically in the background. Uh, and finally, if you want to delete all your data from your, your browsing session, we have a, one, a little picture of a fire, actually. You press that and you get a nice little fire animation going up the screen. Up the screen. We're
0: burning all your data, so you know that
1: all your history is now gone. Don't worry about it.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, and, and a lot of people, I think, on iPhone in particular, uh, because Apple kind of enforces that you use Safari for your main browser, a lot of people don't even think about using something different. And there actually are several other browsers, and this is obviously one of them that people should strongly consider. Uh, if they want to be protecting their privacy, one more question about that: it, Does it since it's basically doing the tracking blocking, does that effectively mean it's also blocking ads as well? If they are
1: ads that contain tracking code, if they're, they're tracking ads or invasive ads, then yes, it will. If they're just basic static ads that are just coming from you know, some, some uh, well, like in the case that they go just from a a, a a keyword that you search for and that's all, not connected with any other kind of tracking behavior, then it will leave those.
0: So th- this is obviously one of the uh, one of the, alter- the alternative apps There's so many standard apps that people that people use for these things that are very popular, uh, and i don 't think they they consider that there might be uh, more secure or private alternatives, uh, for example, email or messaging do, do you have any recommendations along those lines? For messaging uh, we very much like signal, uh,
1: which uh, is um Whisper Systems, I think, is the name of the company. That's open source. It's freely available. And, uh, again, Android and and iOS versions available. And all the uh, encryption is done in the background there. So with the web, there are some websites that are encrypted. Some aren't. With this particular Signal messaging and some other uh, similar services as well, you're sending messages and it's encrypted in the background. You don't need to worry about it. People can't see what you're you're, uh, sending. Yeah, I recommend Signal often. Yeah. Um, for email, there are many services. Uh, we use Fastmail in, in-house. We um, have done for a long time, and it's a paid service. But going back to what I mentioned earlier, if you're paying for something, then there's less incentive for that company to, to use your, your your data and give you a free service, but then make money selling it in the background. Uh, so we've been very happy with with Fastmail. Uh, there is uh, another service, more recently set up called Proton Mail, um, which uh, provides um private email and I have a feeling that is en- encrypted between Proton
0: Mail is, users. Yep. And they actually have support for uh, uh, PGP as well. So if you wanted to if you're going between Proton Mail and something else, they do it it's obviously uh, maybe not obviously, but it's uh it's a little more clunky <laughs> and if you're not going <laughs> proton mail to proton mail. Unfortunately email is just never built for encryption. So you get they have to kind of bolt it on and it makes it kinda of clunky.
1: Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, we have several more um, suggestions actually of services like
1: this on our blog, uh, which is called spreadprivacy.com is the name of the blog. Uh, we have one uh, popular article on there called um, "How to Live Without Google," and yes. it's obviously it focused on Google. But even if you're, <laughs> if you not, you're not using Google already. It's got um, suggestions for yeah email alternatives, browser alternatives, things like that, messaging services. Uh, mostly focused
0: on on privacy. You've got actually one, several wonderful tutorials out on that site. I think uh, I don't know if they're all under that same umbrella, but you've been putting out all sorts of great tutorials uh, about privacy and things that are just the. Uh, I will definitely be putting in the show notes for people to check out. Great, really, really great guides, and and your blog. You guys have got a great blog. I uh, follow it all the time. So Duck uh, Duck has done some really fantastic stuff, and they're obviously branching out and doing more. It's uh, it's just wonderful. It's great to see that there's companies out there succeeding doing these kind of things.
1: Thank you very much. That's very kind of me to say so. Yeah. Um, also on the blog, we're talking about mobile today, and we do have tips for uh, mobile devices. Um, so we've got uh, various steps that you can do uh, with, with screenshots to make it really easy to check permissions on your phone or set up things so you can be as, as private as possible. And, yep, we're doing what we can. We're trying to help users. We we're trying to I- increase awareness, give people choice and control of how their personal data
0: is uh, is dealt with online. So I would encourage people to go check these things out, install these things, tell your friends about them, that the word of mouth is really important on things like this and showing other people that you care, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, voting with your with your wallet. In this case, it's free, uh, but, it, it, you know, showing people that you're dedicated enough to do these things and, and give these guys some, you know, be able to say that there's, the, we have this many million users just helps. I mean, it helps, it helps. There's like a certain critical mass, I think, that are needed before these things kind of catch on and. So uh, I would highly encourage everybody to check these things out, install them, tell your friends and family about them. It's really wonderful. And Daniel, thank you very much for coming back on. That was extremely insightful, uh, and it was great talking to you again. We'll definitely have to bring you back in the future.
1: Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, and I enjoy speaking to you, and, uh, and all the rest of the, the, uh, the episodes that you've done as well. You've built a great library of really useful information and guides for people at any level, I think. Well done.
0: Thank you very much. Take care. Okay, Bye. One more time, I want to thank Daniel Davis for coming on the show. He's come on several times now and really need to get him back. So much fun to talk to. Always got some great information. And, of course, need to plug DuckDuckGo as uh, a great privacy-oriented search engine, uh, a really good alternative to Google. If you're still using Google as your search engine, I highly recommend you try just, just try DuckDuckGo for a while. Um, will it be the same? No. It will definitely be different. Uh, for one thing, it won't be tracking you. Is it as good? Google has been at this a really long time, and I'm not gonna lie; they've got a great search engine. Um, but when you weigh that against what they're, you know, what you're paying for that with your privacy, to me, it's just a no-brainer. DuckDuckGo is a great search engine, and I highly recommend it. Just give it a shot. Uh, the best way to do it for your browser, actually, is just to download their browser plugin called uh, DuckDuckGo Privacy Essentials. That will automatically switch your search engine to DuckDuckGo. Uh, as well as uh, install a nice privacy-oriented plugin for your browser. So give that a shot. And uh, since in the spirit of Thanksgiving, since we just had Thanksgiving here in the United States, uh, and of course Canada, which is a little while ago, and it's probably celebrated different times around the world, uh, but it's that time of year. And so what I wanted to talk about just briefly before we go is there's a lot of really important uh, organizations out there that are doing a lot of work to guard your security and privacy Uh, in a world where, honestly, corporations are turning away from privacy because they can use that information to monetize you. And um, so I really appreciate some of the work that some of these groups are doing to either expose what a lot of these corporations are doing in terms of violating your privacy and doing stuff with your data that they are not being very transparent about, Uh, and other companies that are directly fighting to either sue these companies to make sure that they to, they follow their own privacy policies, or dial back some of their more egregious behavior. And trust me, there's a lot of egregious behavior out there. And uh, I, you know, I know a lot of people think that there's, they've got nothing to hide and the privacy is no big deal. But uh, you've really got to think beyond yourself. This is this is a much bigger issue. This is a capital P privacy thing, and it's a it's really a fundamental right. And democracies require it. We all need some safe space to think and say things that we want to say without being tracked, and we want to be able to. Um, Tell our own stories, as uh, as I've heard it said, which is a great way of putting it. So I will put a link in the show notes to this blog article from my website uh, on firewallsdon'tstopdragons.com. Uh, it was from last year, but it's still very relevant. And I kind of call out some of my favorite privacy organ- oriented organizations or journalistic organizations that are helping to uncover some of these really um, horrible abuses. Uh, number one, of course, is Electronic Frontier Foundation, the EFF. I've had multiple people from the EFF. Thank goodness. These guys are really great about doing interviews and, and letting me pick their brains uh, on the air. And I've met some really great people through that organization. Um, but they're doing great work, regardless of how many times I've had them on a show. They're doing some great work. But if I was a fan long before I was doing a podcast. These guys are out there fighting the good fight all the time, either through lawsuits or amicus briefs to the Supreme Court or publishing plugins for your browser, like Privacy Badger, which is a great one, HTTPS Everywhere, another great one. Um, and they keep adding new features to those all the time to make uh, your browsing experience even more and more private and secure. They've also got some wonderful online guides for uh, surveillance self-defense. And, and their blogs and their Twitter feed are just wonderful to follow as well. But if you, even if you can't do all that, just know that these guys are doing some wonderful work. And one of the ways that you could support this effort and help help them to help you as to just to donate. Um, there'll be some links again in that article that I'm going to link to in the show notes, or you can just go to firewalls, don't and search on thanks. And that article will come right up, uh, poke around in there and find the links to donate. These guys are doing great work. Uh, some other groups you might want to look at that are on this list are uh, EPIC or EPIC, the Electronic Privacy Information Center. You can look maybe at fight for the future. If you're if net neutrality is your thing, these guys are out there pushing really hard to, to try to bring back net neutrality. ProPublica is a great investigative journalism outfit, and they are exposing not only things about uh, internet privacy and security, uh, but all sorts of really important stories that these guys are following. You might want to throw some money their way. If you're if politics is your thing, you might want to look into Common Cause, which is technically nonpartisan. Uh, it's about bringing us all together and trying to make our government function again. And there are several several others on that list that you might want to check out, depending on what your personal, personal interests and bents are. So, anyway, I just want to make sure I called some attention to that since we just had Thanksgiving. And uh, this is a great way for you to show your support and kind of say, hey, I like what these guys are doing, uh, I find this work is important. And you can spread the word and tell others too. And oftentimes they'll send you little stickers or t-shirts or something like that. Uh, When you get those things, display display those things publicly and proudly. And, you know, maybe it'll spark some conversations. You can tell some other people why you uh, are supporting these guys. And maybe you can get some others to support them as well. Or if nothing else, just kind of educate them about uh, all the things that they're doing and all the important work uh, that these guys are doing on your behalf. One more quick shout out. And I will put this in the show notes as well. Or you can just go find it directly. I just... Published by Big Annual Best and Worst Gifts for uh, 2018. That's a blog article. It's also a podcast. It was last week. If you missed that, you can go check it out. Or if you just want to go read it, you can also go to FirewallsDon'tStopDragons.com. And uh, it'll be one of the most recent articles there. It's very easy to find. Uh, We'll put a link in the show notes as well. Uh, That's a really fun one. If you're trying to figure out what to get people and you want to make sure you get stuff that is both secure and private, I've got you covered. you got to check out that list. And of course, i got to toot my own horn a little bit. The Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons, the book on Amazon and on A-Press and Barnes & Noble and just about everywhere uh, makes a great gift too, especially if you're getting somebody a brand new computer and they got to get it all set up Um, or somebody who's just kind of behind the times and you know they could use a little extra help to make sure that they're more secure and guarding their uh, online data. It's a great resource for that. All sorts of pictures and step-by-step instructions, over 150 different tips uh, for people to follow to help make you more secure. And goes through the trouble of explaining all this stuff to, in a very kind of down-to-earth way with as little jargon as possible. Try to keep it fun uh, to try to get you up to speed on the most important things you need to understand about how how the internet works and how your privacy is being ripped off and how to judge products on security. So anyway, check that out as well. And that's going to do it. Thank you very much for listening. Tune in again next week. And as always, stay safe. And Until then, don't get caught with your drawbridge down